Welcome back to Formula RPG. I'm your host, Brandon Carrion. Today we have a bonus episode. We are joined by Susie Stewart. Yep. Is that cool if I use your last name? Yeah. And Danielle Ross of the podcast Mammary Alpha, a all-female actual play set in the Star Trek universe. I'm a big fan of the show, and I'm very, very happy and lucky to have uh, these wonderful creators on today. Uh, please, Danny, uh, Susie, would you take a second and introduce yourselves? Uh, who wants to go first? Uh, You're talking already, order. Susie, oh, go. Alpha, alphabetical order, you go. <laughs> I'm Danny. I'm Danny Ross. Um, I play Lieutenant Savia Shakel um, on the podcast, the Mammary Alpha podcast. Um, I'm T- a, tell us about tell us about Savia. I'm an Enar engineer, and Enar is like a sub race of the Andorian people. They're like uh, super telepathic, and Andorians are blue, but Enar are white, and they got they're blind, but they can like see because of telepathy and magic and stuff. And um, yeah, I'm an engineer, which is kind of weird for an Enar, I guess. I mean, we don't get that many instances of them in canon but i'm gonna go say it's weird but were you saying that they were in enterprise they're in enterprise yeah that's the um that's my knowledge of them from canon was from a two-part episode um, in enterprise awesome awesome and uh susie you are the gm is that right i am i gm this wild ride uh and um I get the pleasure of doing all the terrible accents and making up all the really terrible <laughs> names That's and writing adventure, writing adventures that they don't bother following. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how has it been going? How, how's the podcast going? How's it being received? I, I guess good you like us so that's like one person we, we have like at least two fans so <laughs> no it's it's odd because you know we just made the podcast we just started the podcast because we wanted to all play um a you know a star trek rpg together and Susie was doing podcasts and having fun with it so we all kind of just got on board with it never really thinking that there'd be, you know, that much of an audience, just, you know, like our friends or whatever. Um, But there's actually definitely people we don't know who have bought t-shirts of ours and follow us on Twitter. And we got a Patreon subscriber today and we don't even have any rewards. We have nothing set up for (laughs) Patreon. I did not know you had a Patreon. We That's great. don't really mention it because we <laughs> we don't have anything set up for it yet. Yeah, it, just it was exists. just something where we were like, I guess we should have one of these. So when we're ready for it, we can just be like, all right, it's already there. We don't have to think about it. But we really haven't put a lot of effort into it. And yeah, just last night we got a new Patreon. So like at... A pretty high level at like a level that's not even an option and there's no reward for it so now we're scrambling to figure out how to reward this person <laughs> yes, for no, their generous contributions <laughs> uh one of the things that i've learned is that some people just want to support the show and that's great i love it i'm i'm happy that you are reaching people um so like what is the premise of memory alpha let's like rewind it back to the beginning and i want you know if you if, if one of you has a particular preference go ahead but somebody kind of like pitch it to me 
as though I had never heard of it before. And you're like, I want you to take a listen to this podcast. Uh, well, okay. So I guess I'll really rewind it back to the beginning. Um, I haven't, we, I don't guess none of us have developed an elevator pitch for this yet, but yeah, our no. friend, <laughs> we're going to have to work on that. <laughs> but our friend, uh, Deanna, who is Posa, um, I think it was originally her idea. She said, you know, there's not a lot of uh, all women podcasts out there, especially when we started, there was um, everything we knew about either had like mostly women and maybe like a guy or two or the, you know, there was a guy that was the GM, um, but there really wasn't any all women, like specifically all women TTRPG podcasts. So Deanna saw a void there and she's like, you know what? Uh, we can do this and I miss talking to you guys and let's play a game together. Uh, and we workshopped it for a while and then eventually we're like, okay, we just got to do this. Um, and I don't know if we really had any big, like grand, you know, like any grand ideas when we first started, you know, I, I made the characters off just to like make everyone's lives easier. Cause Oh my God, we were playing three point, uh, we were playing D 20, 3.5. Yeah. yeah. And I just like made characters for everyone just to get us started. And we found out, I mean, we quickly found out that didn't work, but, um, and I found just a stock adventure and we just, that was the first advent. You know, that was the first two episodes. Um, but you were using one of those last unicorn adventures, right? I, it, it was, so it was a start. It was an adventure from the Star Trek RPG rule set that came out like what in the late two thousands, I think. Yeah. Like a million. Well, Oh, was it, is it the one that has like a really good picture on the front or is it one that has like a <laughs> kind of not great picture on the front? Um, <laughs> I don't know because I was just looking at digital copies, but they had one. Uh. They had a ton of, um, like a a ton of um, not it wasn't just like the GM's rules and the players' rules. They had a bunch of extra guides, you know, a bunch of extra sets of rules. So I I don't know. I feel like it really spiraled out of control really quickly, and there was just <laughs> too much information. Um, and I don't think it did very well, obviously, uh, since they rebooted it in a whole different new system just like what last year uh, we yeah. actually we actually talked about playing in that system too but i looked at it and i was like oh boy you know this is it's not it was it's just i i didn't want to i didn't want to have to learn a new system huh <laughs> we even though we did <laughs> <Chips on you. laughs> but i don't know i think fate's better anyway but Ultimately, we were just looking for a way to get together, have some fun, crack some jokes, uh, really like roll around in the Star Trek universe. And uh, I don't think we set out with the idea to be as inappropriate as we are, but it just sort of <laughs> happened that way. And now it's kind of the hallmark of, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I think we really challenged the stereotype that women aren't filthy human beings because we are dirty. Mm. Uh and I think we've just learned to embrace that because, you know, it's, I know, like, I always worry about it, um, too, because and this is just a sidebar, but I always worry about it, too, because guys get a lot of crap when they're too dirty, you know? Um, but I'm like, oh, man, I hope someone's like, well, isn't this, uh, isn't this hypocritical women? What did women? Whatever. But if they say that, they, they <laughs> will get a fan mail from, from about <laughs> that someday. I'm sure someday. And then I'll just shred it up and throw it in the trash can. Right. Where it belongs. So. One of the things that I love about the show, uh, as a male that listens to it, is the way it um, gives sort of a window into the lives of females who are speaking in an uncensored way. 
because they don't feel any kind of pressure to manicure what they're saying for a male audience. And it's just so real. It's just so incredibly real. And, and I think incredibly relatable. Uh, so thank you for that. Because I, I find it hilarious. Well, I think, good. I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's the same bullshit everyone kind of does around the table, right? But that you're worried about, you know, if your coworkers or your friends who don't play tabletop games, if they heard you talk this way, be like, ugh, you nerd. But oh man, I oh, they I they definitely would be. <laughs> I mean, we we don't either, right? But obviously. Every, everybody like punched me in the face for that when I was in high school. So now, now I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> you got it out of the way. You, yeah. you, you, you front loaded all of that shame. <laughs> um, so you did have this kind of uh, thing where you had to kind of work through a couple systems while you, while playing, uh, what went into that? And then why did you land on fate? Um, so, and Danny can add to this too, but, we were rolling, I mean, as you know, and but for people who don't know, uh, D20 Modern um, is, we were using a 3.5 edition, if that means anything to anyone. Um, and the D20 Modern, um, it's more, I guess it's more shadow runny than it is uh, like uh, starshipy. So basically everything just sort of devolved in rolling computer checks. <laughs> <laughs> which drove heather crazy right because the klingon didn't really have much to do and all the other you know like that point heather uh deanna and uh dd were uh deanna gosh why do you have why do you both have names that start with d we talked about this <laughs> um it wasn't you know they were just doing computer checks all the time and it wasn't fun uh well i mean we we're having fun but it was not very interesting and yeah. we were i was especially worried it wasn't going to be interesting for the audience either so the mcelroys right had moved to fate um their dad was running a uh after they finished their big arc for the balance arc they moved to just some one shots yeah yeah it was like um like a superhero one that um clint was doing and yep. they were using i i think um, are we? What the, are we using? Fate accelerated. So they were. They were. They were using the real fates. Well, yeah. I don't want to call. I don't want to say fate accelerated is not real, but Core. they were using the more the the fuller version, and we're using sort of the. Um, it's it shares a lot of the rules of regular fate, but fate accelerated um, is just sort of a shortcut. There's some shortcuts that you don't have to get quite as involved when you're creating your characters. So. And when you, when you talk about the the McElroys, that's uh, Adventure Zone. Adventures, right? yeah, yeah, was, yeah, the uh, the Adventure Zone, yeah. With w- would you would you say that that's uh, an inspiration for Memory Alpha? Probably. I mean, again, it was Dee Dee's idea, and Dee Dee's a big fan um, of the Adventure Zone. And we're Zone. all big fans. I mean, we all too. are. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say, I mean, I think Dee Dee had just finished the Balance Arc, which is like their big epic tears at the end um, campaign, and so I think she was you know, inspired, pretty interested in um, role-playing podcasts at that time because of the Adventure Zone. So I, I think we'll have to credit the Adventure Zone as an yeah. inspiration for the podcast, no matter what. I think between the Adventure Zone and the Greatest Generation. Um, right. It's a blend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the Greatest, genera- the greatest Generation inspired us to start reviewing Forever Night episodes. Uh, and that's, and that's been a big winner on our show. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel it, you know, you get, you get these 
other podcasts that influence what it is that you're doing, right? Totally. Yeah. And it was, you know, sort of a, I don't, relief's not the right word, but it was fun to hear Ben and Adam on The Greatest Generation be crass. Um, You know, and the McElroys are the complete antithesis right there, like, just so pure, and they don't even (laughs) like any sort of genital jokes. So... Not that they don't make them, but... (laughs) They instantly regret them every time they do. So I feel like, yeah, there was... There was a desire to do some storytelling. And Deanna also was playing another um, D&D game weekly, but it was a lot of stuff that I think um, she kind of... And she's not here to speak for herself, so Deanna, I hope I don't get this wrong when you hear this, but I feel like maybe she wasn't as into that game... um, as she would have liked to be. So I think she was looking for to start a game with friends that she knew she could, you know, really sink her teeth into and have fun. So. Excellent. Excellent. Um, now memory alpha has a kind of, uh, has a kind of humorous vibe to it, It right? Yes. Like, like it's not, it's not a lot of badum ching kind of humor, but there, there's just like this kind of feeling of levity to it as, as you're uh, listening, I feel. And uh, I have, so I have to ask, do you feel like Star Trek as an experience is somehow just like intrinsically humorous? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, there's lots of comedic moments in Star Trek and there's lots of intense moments in Star Trek and sad moments in Star Trek and, you know, the whole thing. And I think Star Trek gets from people who aren't, um, you know, in it, don't really know what it is just from the outside. I think it gets kind of um, painted with a really somber, um, you know, brush where it's just like um, the serious space epic, but it, there's tons of humor in Star Trek. And um, I think anybody who's been a fan for a really long time and since the beginning knows that and is with us on making jokes about it. I mean, Ben and Adam, obviously, know where to take um watching a star trek episode that's funny and i feel like it's just part of it's part of it it's part of the fandom oh definitely definitely and so what what are your kind of takes on that what are your takes on that intentional i, I mean okay here's here's an example right yeah like sometimes uh like Worf and Riker will be sitting there and like Worf gets annoyed and he says something to Riker and that's like a intentionally humorous moment right but then like you have the scene in i think season one when like they're kind of ripping off that episode from original trek where everybody's getting like space drunk because the sun is imploding or something (laughs) naked now yes and and uh and fucking for for some reason data is affected by this (laughs) never is again in any other episode don't worry about it and and he starts, and he's and he, and he like informs Tasha Yar that he's like programmed for all this like s- sexual shit, right? Right. Now this is hilarious. Yes. But it's hilarious because you're imagining like Doctor Noonien Sung like programming Data to be like like super good at sex. That right? makes sense. That makes perfect sense. Did you watch <laughs> any of the episodes with Doctor Noonien Sung in it? Of course he would make a sex robot. It's fucking absurd. It's he's like he's like so key. the idea of of Star Trek with it's kind of like it's like techno futurism. It's kind of like it's like high ideals uh, space communism, right? And then it's got um, 
Data, who could have been programmed to do anything, but he's like got memory in the in his like fucking neural net for, I guess those weird instances when Tasha Yar is feeling Randy or whatever when she's space drunk. So like at least Noonyun Sung didn't have to sit down and have the talk with Data, right? Like right. it's not like Data was in the bedroom sitting in the bed and Noonyun Sung comes and he like, oh, it's time to talk about you know Noonyun Sung just like dumped a bunch of de- uh, information into Data's positronic brain, right? Yeah, all like, you gotta ah, do is yeah, have the bot watch hundreds of hours of porn and then blammo. <laughs> but he doesn't understand anything else. Like, it, like oh, the no. most basic shit that a fucking like a Siri understands, Data doesn't. Right, right. Data's such a uh, um, it's kind of like right when we were talking about this we were recording just this Saturday about like what can you do with the shields up can you do certain <laughs> like uh, the rules always change in Star Trek right depending on what does the episode dictate the rules need to be and Data's a part of that yeah. like, Data's always it's from season to season like he seems to have completely different parameters within which he operates and nobody knows what they are and we're always talking about how data can't doesn't feel feelings etc but then we'll do something that couldn't possibly be dictated by anything other than feelings um you know just keeping being sentimental over tasha yar and all this like dude's got feelings obviously um you know and you can or can't transport through the shields on any given day (laughs) and this is uh the episode that you're talking about is season one like episode two like we had no idea what fucking data was gonna do at this point in time and the writers didn't either yeah you're (laughs) you're definitely right about that you definitely get that feeling when you're watching the show that they were kind of winging it at spots um so so all right, we're at kind of a weird spot in the world right now with Star Trek, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Like, Star Trek is at a sort of a strange crossroads, right? Because it seems to me like it wasn't that long ago that it looked like Star Trek was just done. Dead forever. Like, it was just, like fucking done, man. Like, they're, like, like they're just going to bury it in the ground, put some flowers on it, and mm-hmm. move on, right? Uh, and then they decided they kind of wanted to resuscitate it, but then they decided that they're going to do that in two different ways. They're going to do these fucking J.J. Abrams movies that don't, I, I don't really feel have really much to do with Star Trek. That's just no. my personal opinion. I'm totally willing to debate it. Totally willing. I'd love to hear your thoughts. No, I don't think you're going to get much disagreement. No, no we're with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> they're fun. I mean, they're fun to watch, but they're definitely like, they're definitely action movies, right? They're, yeah. they're action movies painted with the Star Trek brush. Uh, I agree 100%. I, I, I say to my friends, you could just call it Space Fight. And yeah. it's the same movie. It exactly. doesn't really have anything to do with Star Trek. And then they decided, oh well, we want to redo the show. We're gonna have we're trying to have a show, and it's gonna have maybe like a little bit of kind of that J.J. Abrams esque element to it, but not a super lot. We're gonna have it. We're gonna have it be more kind of like a Game of Thrones in space, but with Star Trek, right? <laughs> and so now it's kind of like there's. I, I feel kind of like Star Trek's back. Like, well, like like we're. we're they're also Whoops. talking about doing a bunch of, and whether they actually do or not, but just recently they were talking about picking up a lot of the ideas that they had bandied around, like, I think, like, what, in the 90s or the 2000s? Um, uh, about, like, I think they're considering looking at doing that, um, what, that Starfleet Academy show that they were talking about doing, but instead we got Enterprise. Yeah. I think there's uh-huh. a few more ideas. So, like, we might not just end up with Discovery, uh, I don't. I don't have any faith in any of this that it'll actually come. You know, it'll come true. But we might end up with another 
one or two more Star Trek shows in the next few years. So, you you know, when I was in Los Angeles, I uh, you know you, you you meet all these people who are like involved in stuff, right? And there was this rumor going around that they were working on a Worf show, like a Worf spinoff, right? That was like, that was being that was being sh- like worked on somewhere, and then I had a friend in a special effects studio who said that they were building latex appliances for Borgs, right? And so I was just sitting there waiting for this fucking Worf show to come out. Which I mean, he's you know Michael Dorn's the one who'll be in anything, right? He'll be in any Star Trek, you know, as long as they've got the money or whatever. Uh, and then it never happened. Which I mean, I thought that was a shoe in for sure. Yeah, I mean the I think um. I think I read something about Michael Dorn saying why that didn't come to pass or that it, you know, it didn't have anything to do with him that it didn't come to pass. And you know, of course, Worf's been on a staple in Star Trek, many of the series, but I personally hope if we ever do get a new Star Trek series that maybe we don't throw back to everything all the time. Like I've seen enough Worf. No offense, no offense, Worf. Worf. <laughs> I've seen plenty of that. Like, I'm no super Worf. glad there wasn't a Worf show. Like, yeah. I have to watch it, and I just don't care. Would it have been like a sitcom? <laughs> Would it have been like Worf, like just grumpy Worf sitting around, and like a, a flower vase falls on his head or something? <laughs> That's probably it. Yeah, <laughs> he's just sitting on the bed like Wolverine, looking at that picture of Worf. <laughs> only it's a picture of Dax. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so so here we are and it's discovery time and but they're also they haven't quit on the jj abrams movies now there's this talk that tarantino is gonna do oh yeah that's r-rated right. fucking like i don't know an r-rated jj abrams movie that maybe has patrick stewart in it too and right. it's like okay yeah, that's not gonna happen we, we just live in the most surreal times of all so what do you ladies make of this and how does it influence your thoughts and your feelings about Star Trek now? Where are we at? Well, I don't think any new thing um, that comes out will influence my thoughts and feelings about Star Trek. I love Star Trek. I'll always love Star Trek. And all the people who pretend that new movies that come out ruin their childhoods, um, that's not true. Your Star- the Star Trek that exists exists. And the hor- all the horrible J.J. Abrams movies that come out, that's not going to change um, that. And while I don't love them, um, if someone gets into Star Trek because they saw a J.J. Abrams movie, like, fucking good. Um, I liked Discovery. I know that's maybe not um, everybody's take on Discovery, but I liked it a lot. And I hope the fact that the stupid Enterprise showed up in the stupid season finale isn't... Um, you know, too much of the plot because I don't care about it. Um, but I'll watch any new Star Trek that comes out. I'll give anything a fair ch- a fair yeah. chance if it's got the Star Trek name on it. I agree. Like if it's got if it's got the Star Trek branding on it, I'll watch it. I and if I don't like it, I don't like it. But it's not gonna keep me from. It's not gonna sully like the good memories I have of of exactly. Space Nine or anything like that, right? So, and I don't know Star Trek nerds. And we are Star Trek nerds, don't get me wrong. So when I say this, I mean, I'm talking about a certain set of people, but they're the people, right, who are like, well, this isn't the Star Trek. 
this isn't like, like, this isn't Star Trek because it's not the Star Trek I remember that before this, right? Like, okay, but people were pissed about the next generation. People were pissed about Deep Space, Deep Space Nine. People were pissed about Voyager. People were pissed about Enterprise. Like, every time there's a new Star Trek thing that comes around, people are mad because it's not right. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I, I can't put that much energy into worrying about whether Star Trek's Star Trekky enough. I'll watch it, and if I don't like it, then I won't watch it again. Exactly. I, whatever. I mean, I watched Enterprise, and it was fine. I mean, it wasn't great, but it wasn't. <laughs> it's got some good moments. Yeah. Okay, I was about to ask, like, did you watch all of Enterprise? Like, every yes. single one? Yes. Yes. Oh, I haven't. I just can't get through them. Some of them are really boring. <laughs> like, well, a lot of it's really boring, yeah. They're, I mean, The whole temporal war thing. And is that's, just like, like, almost all of season three. Like, yeah. I like it. I'm going to say I like Enterprise because I like the characters. And when I say I like the characters, I mean, I like Trip and I like Shran and everybody else kind of sucks. Um, dude Hoshi man god Ho- like, Hoshi's so boring Archer is so irritating Paul is like fine later but like in the early season she's terrible um, you know it's it, there's good there's good episodes in there I mean they mo- almost all have Jeffrey Combs in them but there's some good episodes in the in Enterprise they're just um, a lot of think- clunkers I think Porthos is in like something like forty-five episodes, so you know that's the can't be all bad. (laughs) It can't be all bad. I was like, oh, Porthos wasn't in that many episodes, and I like I pulled open Memory Alpha, and I was like, oh wait, shit, he was in a whole bunch. I mean, they're just little, they're just little shots of him like jumping off a bed or running down the corridor or whatever. Just Archer brooding on his bed, holding Porthos's ears, but he's still there, you know. So big fan of Porthos. That that that's the wow. I, I yeah. I don't know. I I liked kind of some of the experimental stuff they did when they sort of like knew that they were done and they started just yeah. like doing random stuff in order to kind of like try and get some Star Trek vibes in there. Um, I thought that was really fun. But overall, the kind of I, it's almost like they were just trying too hard. You know, they were just like, oh, we gotta we gotta write the ship. We gotta write the ship. And then so that so they brought in this this guy who I guess is supposed to be some kind of like like amalgam between Kirk and Picard only he's like Star Trek in the Bush era so he has this <laughs> kind of like this like George Bush kind of squinty-eyed half smile thing that he does all the time and I'm just like oh man I just I don't know I, I had a really hard time with it so it's interesting they say that because like I feel like after TNG I feel like they tried they tried really hard with Deep Space Nine, and when Deep Space Nine first came on, I don't think a lot of like people who were still getting over the fact that TNG was about to end, um, it was such a tonal shift, right? And people were like, ugh, yeah. what's this? And then Voyager came on, and that's like has such a different attitude from both Deep Space Nine and from even TNG. Like, I think it's even more whimsical than TNG ever was, right? Yeah. So, and then Enterprise, like you said, tried really hard, um, maybe a little too hard. And I feel like a lot of people could say that about Discovery too, right? Maybe Discovery's trying too hard. But I feel like the only one that didn't try hard at all <laughs> out of all of them was Voyager. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You see, I feel like in Voyager, they tried to really get this kind of like... Um, 
the conundrum in space yeah. kind of feel that was missing from Deep Space Nine because Deep Space Nine became kind of like mired in this like very grim like yes. meta plot, you know? Right. Um, and then some of and, and and some of their better stuff was space conundrums. Definitely. But then almost by at a certain point, like it was it was like I don't know who they hired to write it, but it was like their like weird sci-fi space conundrums, like were uh were not great. Oh, you know what it was? It was Brian Fuller did a bunch of writing on both uh uh DS9 mm-hmm. and uh and Voyager and like the best fucking episodes are practically you can almost tell like if you're enjoying an episode you can be like is this a Brian Fuller episode like uh the one where the where the the hologram becomes a fucking opera singer i think that's a Brian Fuller you know and that's a cool one right the doctor's my fave <laughs> yeah, you, I, you know, I think he said that he read for Neelix because he thought that yeah, Neelix that's right. was like yeah. the hot role, and then they were like, <laughs> "Oh boy, he really know, dodged right? a bullet on that one." <laughs> he yeah. really did. Maybe we all um, would have loved Neelix if he was played by Robert Picardo. Who knows? I have wondered that. <laughs> would he have saved the role? Coulda. Because because there's so much of like Neelix and he's like oh today I made a carrot cake <laughs> you know what I'm saying and you're like who cares <laughs> fucking isn't is there a space conundrum here or what so so I guess I mean here we are we're kind of you know indulging in the thing mm-hmm. I love the the Star Trek thing I love the thing um is Star Trek relevant anymore does it you know, I, I feel like a lot of people like reject Star Trek. It, it's been it's been shellacked in this kind of patina right. that a lot of like science fiction people won't even approach. Uh, how does is, is Star Trek relevant? How does that affect the podcast? What kind of feedback or pushback or 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 em- embracing have you gotten from that? I don't think it's. I don't think Star Trek isn't relevant. I don't think it's not relevant. It might not be that relevant anymore because now there's tons of sci-fi shows um, on Netflix and all over the place. They rebooted Lost in Space, that Expanse show, which I didn't pay for the rest of the the series, and all sorts of other new sci-fi is out, which might be more relevant than Star Trek, even as Discovery, you know, comes along and, and, and plays a role. Um, but I still think Star Trek's relevant. It's like one of the building blocks of sci-fi. It's it's Star Wars and Star Trek are like the two foundations. And then all modern sci-fi is like a variant on the two foundations. Um, but is it relevant to our podcast that Star Trek might be less relevant now than it used to be? No, because it's just us five Star Trek fans, Star Trekking it up. So we're not going to do anything other than what we do which is like star trek so it's not really relevant to us at this time i don't know maybe we don't have enough fans and or haters yet to i was gonna say have an that's answer to this of, i think if when star trek is less relevant it matters even less for us well now that we've you know clearly deviated from the canon storyline yeah. um it ev- matters even less but star trek not being incredibly relevant right now doesn't hurt us because uh everyone's not drenched in right star trek knowledge so people can listen to it and just enjoy it without being offended by how we got something wrong i think if star trek were more relevant we might we might have more haters so i i guess i guess 
I don't mean so much like the fandom and the canon and like remember the 90s when there were people like walking around in public wearing like the the jumper and everything and no uh like going to juries and they were like I'm in the jury people aren't doing that anymore no. I, I guess I guess what I mean is like Star Trek has always had a message right and has the message been diluted does the message mean anything in our contemporary society? I think. And, go well, ahead, sorry. I, no, I'm sorry. I know. I I hear what you're saying. I think. Um, and this kind of goes back to what Danny's saying. So when Star Trek, when Gene Roddenberry wrote the original series, right, it was this post post scarcity, like future utopia, and then TNG kind of took that and went further with it. And then Roddenberry died, and they started changing like his you know, his tenants, right? Um, so now things were a little bit different, but Star Trek's always been about this post-scarcity socialist future. I mean, obviously for the Federation, not for everyone else. But back then, I mean, back then in the, the original series and even in The Next Generation, I think those ideas were still novel to people. But um, I think maybe in a way that Star Trek is less relevant in the stories that it tells is that people might not embrace those theories, but they're at least now, you know, maybe comfortable with them or at least comfortable with them in science fiction. So <clears throat> I don't know. I think Star Trek doesn't may, may not have the oomph for the impact that it used to because it's so normalized now. People just expect it, right? And it's harder. I mean, it's hard for Star Trek to push boundaries. I mean, they tried to push boundaries a little bit in Discovery, right, with with like you know the gay couple but i mean it's now getting to the point where i mean these what what star trek started out doing in you know what the 60s and then the 80s uh to really drive that ideal home we see in a lot more we see in a lot more like pop culture now so i think star trek will always be a baseline but that other p people are building on it so I have these friends in England who are always giving me shit for Star Trek, right? <laughs> and they um, they talk about how when they were like, you know, pre-adolescence, what kind of, you know, you know you're, in the, you're in that moment where you're kind of like, you haven't given up on magical thinking yet and you still want to interact with that kind of world. So you're kind of looking at something to, you're looking for something to, to funnel that energy into. And I think, I, at least in my case, I found Star Trek plus probably role playing. And, but with, with them, they found Judge Dredd, right? 2000 AD. And so. Oh boy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So they have this idea that like Star Trek is kind of like soft and it's like kind of it's kind of stupid. It's like it's it's for uh for kind of like nerds that uh that want want to like, you know, I don't know, do math problems or something. And they they kind of fixate on the grit of of 2000 AD. Um and I feel like grit has become almost this it used to be sort of a rare thing in science fiction, and now it's just everywhere. Right. Uh, is 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 that is that taste for darkness antithetical to to Star Trek and to Star Trek fans? Um. Well, I, I think your friends in England are not wrong about Star Trek. 
I think they're totally right about it. It's not gritty. It is for people who like math problems. Like it, it it's it's the soft, nice, friendly Star Trek where your main characters are trying to help everybody and and modern sci-fi and even obviously, you know, some older sci-fi isn't like that. It's it's very gritty, it's very dark. Um and I think maybe modern sci-fi is so dark because we're finding it less likely that our future might be um, helping people and, and everybody having enough. Um, I think that seems, you know, a little too far-fetched um, from where we are right now to get to Star Trek. Like, I will always want the Star Trek future versus you know, fucking The Expanse, like, I don't want that. Um, but I, I think they're, I think they're, they're right about that. It's, it's, um, it's the soft version of, of Star Trek. And one of my biggest worries and, you know, even dislikes with um, Disco, with Discovery, was that it was, it was, you know, kind of dark. Um, maybe a little too dark for my liking, but luckily it still had that, you know, typical... I think it still felt very Star Trek um, in the way that it progressed and, and even the way that it ended with its characters. And I and uh, something that I always loved about Star Trek, which I didn't really feel was met the same way in other sci-fi, was the way that it focused on the characters um, and how they interacted with one another on the ship. Um, and I think Disco got that right, at least. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. Do you think they'll be listening to BC Boys in 200 years? Uh-uh, no. Oh, my no, God. No, no, they will not. <laughs> um, I, I, I like to think, sometimes I'm looking around and I'm watching what I consider to be like the world go to shit, you know, and I'm like, oh, boy. We really flubbed it in the 90s. We were almost at Star Trek, and then we went this other way. Mm-hmm. But then I like to think to myself that even the Federation had to go through the eugenics wars. Right, well, and uh, the Third World War. They went through nuclear apocalypse to get to this nice post-scarcity, you know, society. So, If you've seen um, the the Deep Space Nine episode Past Tense recently, um, it's the one where they kind of go back to like 19, or like the early... I don't know. Some some kind of pre-World War Earth. I don't have the year excuse me star trek nerds um always do that yeah always go back to some like easily relatable 20th century thing and then they always know like oh it's a record player let me it was it's the future for the time it's a future for now still like it it was in the future but but oh that's the one with the ghettos yeah with the with the ghettos they have a very like um rich people putting poor people in internment camps kind of a storyline and there's like a riot in the story um that you know started kind of the whole that like turned things around um and just so happens captain cisco looks a lot like uh the guy who did the riot and he gets incapacitated and cisco has to take his place but if you watch that episode right now today it feels far too um relevant it's really close to the news and um Maybe if we just get one good riot under our belt, then we can uh, we can start turning things around and get to the Federation eventually. 
No, you're gonna have to shoot Khan into space first. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, wasn't that um that episode of Deep Space Nine, Danny? Though, wasn't that before the nuclear war? Possibly, yeah. Don't yeah. talk about that. <laughs> it, it all is because everything has got to get leveled right. so that so that it's like basically Mad Max. Yep. Only uh uh fucking what's his name is Zephyr Cochran yep. is out there building yeah. warp drives for some reason. For some and reason. I mean Zephyr Cochran and what Lily? I mean, come on. <laughs> Lily builds the warp drive, and Zephyr Cochran's a drunk that gets the takes the credit takes the credit for it yeah oh boy the, the more things change the more they stay the same apparently <laughs> so um what are your plans for the future of the show i saw that you started doing uh like watch an episode with us on like was that was that twitch or is it like rabbit tv or rabbit.tv uh yeah we did an experimental watch some star trek with us um we were watching deep space nine together you know the our friends group on rabbit um for a while just like have it on at work chat with your friends watch deep space what? nine together have it on at work <laughs> well some of us have yeah, some sounds- some pretty dope jobs that let us watch star trek at work Um, so for a while we were going through Deep Space Nine that way and then, you know, we kind of fell off, um, the wagon on it and we've just been, you know, doing our own regular thing. But, um, when it came time to think of something, some kind of like outreach to do for, for the podcast, um, it was the easiest possible thing since it's just watching Star Trek, which we love to do and, um, we can invite people to watch it with us. I'm we, sure we're violating like eight thousand different terms and the uh, terms and conditions agreements. Do not but. tell Gene Roddenberry's <laughs> estate, please. I, I was about to say, how does this work? Like everybody queues it up at the same time, or it's is it a, actually on? Yeah, it's a streaming service. So you basically share your computer screen with you know the other Rabbit users, and I don't know. I mean, the site hasn't gotten shut down. They must know what they're doing with it. Um, it like directs you to sign into netflix you know like it knows that we're sharing (laughs) netflix with each other so i don't know how it's legal but apparently is or at least nobody's complaining so (laughs) well you know what that's the thing it's fine until someone tells you to stop especially i you know i mean here's the thing they ain't making new episodes of deep space nine sure it's not like like uh ben ben avery or whatever is like avery brooks i can't remember his name anyway uh it's not like he's uh uh not gonna get any royalties or anything right. you know um are you gonna do that again probably yeah, we'd love to yeah it went, it went fairly well i'm not sure how many um of the people who joined us last time were listeners and not just you know people on rabbit because i think yeah. you can see other what other people are watching and just join mm-hmm. in but we had a a pretty decent turnout last time and we learned some lessons about how to do it better and so i think we're gonna try again (laughs) well i hope that you do because i missed the last one but i definitely want to join in one time just because there's really like nothing like watching star trek with other people who get star trek Mm -hmm. it's 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 the it's the best thing uh, like my my family when we when D, uh, uh, disco started, we we started doing family watching Star Trek together again, which we hadn't done since Voyager because yeah. I don't know I I felt like in the nineties it was kind of declining returns like it went from TNG which is you know quite frankly in my opinion the best Star Trek ever and you'll never get better than that 
Then it went to Deep Space Nine. It was kind of like, well, this is different and kind of weird. I don't know. Uh, kind of, I can take some of it, but leave some of it. And then it got into Voyager, and I was just like, oh man, I don't know about this anymore. <laughs> Poor <I'm> Voyager. <laughs> I'm done with this crap. And then like uh, Enterprise came on, especially okay, especially after the fucking shit show that was the Voyager finale. Oh yeah, I was no, like, that's fair. I was like, all right, well. Well, do another one. You know, give this one another a shot. And I was just like, oh, for Christ's sake! Uh, so it's, it's 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 been declining returns for a while, and it's been a long time since we all just like gathered around to fucking watch the show together. And it was like so great to just sit with my brothers, who I mean, I've seen all the movies with, and we'd watch the show together, and to to watch and enjoy together. I, I personally got hyped. I thought fucking disco was great. And it lost me a little bit in the last couple episodes. Last yeah. Couple episodes, I was like a little bit kind of like, really? Pretty disappointing season finale on that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's spoilers now, but what they chose to do with the Lorca character, like bummed me out. I liked that personally. Um, I liked Lorca's switch. What I didn't like was how weirdly we wrapped up this Klingon war. Like that didn't, it didn't make any sense. It was super anticlimactic. And then what the hell is, uh, Vogue doing now? Like, I hope we know, learn more about it. Um, Oh yeah. Jeez. Talk, talk about like one of the most interesting and compelling characters come out of Star Trek in a long time. And then it's just kind of like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's con- it was very confusing, I thought, and super anticlimactic. And to just, like, stop that conflict that we've been building and building on mid, you know, halfway through the last episode, and then have this, like, peaceful, weird wrap-up. Like, what is... No, I don't care about this peaceful wrap-up. Like, this is the climax. M- mid-episode is over. The war is over. Like, uh, no thanks. So I wasn't into well, it. I think that because uh, you know I think Brian Fuller pieced out before they even really started yeah. on the show. I mean that he wrote a whole bunch of stuff and got the ball rolling on it, but then he pieced out before they had finished by a long long shot. And I think that some of that was them trying to wrap up Brian Fuller stuff without having him on deck. And yeah. it's just kind of like, uh, did you know? Did you know this that they that they wanted to do the, the, his whole the, his whole notion was to have it be like an anthology series where every season would have a different cast. Yeah, I remember reading that um, when we, you know, first got started, and I thought that didn't sound like a bad idea because then we wouldn't have, you know, heck of callbacks every season. But <laughs> I, I did love the the characters that they introduced. Um, I loved everybody on the Disco's crew. So I would be sad if we left that and we didn't see them again. Yeah. I, I, I think that one of the great things about Star Trek is getting to know characters Definitely. and getting to know their stories and then getting immersed and invested in that. And that's one of the things that's fun about your podcast is that you can do that. It's like some characters that are having these adventures, and the adventures have increasingly high stakes. And uh, I, I don't think it's, it's like you were saying, it's not too different from just watching Star Trek because Star Trek has this kind of like undercurrent of like, 
whimsical humor to it. Right. You know? I, I want to be invested. And this idea of like, oh, we're just going to shuck the 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 crew like once a season that that bummed me out yeah i didn't think of it that way but then once i started getting to know the characters on discovery i was really glad that we ditched that idea because i didn't want that to be the last that we heard from them yeah yeah uh what what about that scene where michael burnham like just kind of walks up to saru and is just kind of like just chilling talking to him after like just two minutes ago she was like cannibalizing one of his people and <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like totally blase about it like oh yeah yeah Sru is one of my absolute favorite characters and the fact that he never gave burnham any slack for her shit i was into that yeah agreed agreed that was a compelling character i thought the, i thought like, like you were saying the whole cast was very compelling and there were even some like neat uh side characters that we didn't really get to explore that I felt like have potential for season two. Like yeah, my greatest girl. My greatest regret is in the very first see, um, episode that that first two parter. There is a helmsman, maybe someone on the bridge, who has a, a helmet that's a com- like a computer screen is the face, um, and I think she must die because we do not see her again. Like. It puts like alert on, over the screen on her face. Like I, I don't know. I she looks kind of Daft Punky. We don't. Yeah, he- Lieutenant <laughs> Daft Punk. Yeah, we yeah. don't learn anything about her, and she must have died in the you know in the conflict because we never see her again. And that is my biggest regret about Disco is that we never learned more about you know Lieutenant Daft Punk or whoever she was. <laughs> you know what? The fanfic is there <laughs> to be written. I hope so. <laughs> You know, no, you can do it. You can take up the mantle. Oh, shit, Susie, write that us. down. All right, Lieutenant Daft Punk in our season two. All you right. know what? I th- <laughs> I I think I really think you just discovered a Patreon reward. <laughs> Patreon only access to the story. <laughs> nice. Good thinking. <laughs> Good thinking. I, I once knew a guy who wrote a novel about the Enterprise from that episode where like there's some time time bullshit as you as you put it there's some time temporal bullshit going on <laughs> and all these enterprises start appearing oh yeah yeah and like and one of them they like hail it and it's the uh it's like it's Riker and he looks like crazy yeah. he's like in our in our dimension the fucking border everywhere man I'm not going back and then yeah, they, he and blows they, himself up doesn't he yeah yeah and they gets blown up and he uh, and my, my 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 buddy at the time he um he wrote a whole he wrote a whole novel about their timeline. Oh, but the, the, I read the, that the Borg war. Yeah, right. It wasn't a bad idea. Yeah. You know, it could be kind. It could be kind of fun. So um, what what other games you guys have going on? Is it, is it just Star Trek? Are you guys doing other stuff? Susie's got other stuff. I'm I'm just on Mamre Alpha right now. I'm doing I'm. A desert of RPGs. Otherwise, so how how did you come to do the RPG thing? Because here, spoilers, guys. Danny and I know each other. We know each other for like a long time. Danny is old school, old school Phoenix peeps before she got cool PDX peeps. <laughs> cred. So cool and yeah, so cool. Do you ride unicycles there? Yeah, actually, uh, you have to get one. They at least <laughs> issue it at the border when you come into Portland. So, yeah, awesome. she's actually grown a a, a curly mustache. <laughs> yes, as you can as see. You can see. 
Yeah. Um, so, so how did you get into this gaming thing? Um, I mean, I wasn't ever not into it. Um, I played D&D with my brother when I was little, um, but I just never had a, a regular group. Um, so, I mean, I played it off and on throughout the years. You know, I almost never to completion with a campaign. I'd say Mamre Alpha is absolutely the, the longest I've played a single character. Because, um, you, you know, you get start with a group of people and then you play two or four sessions and then nobody ever shows up again and you can't ever make it work. So that was pretty much my experience with role playing this whole time is just starting and stopping and starting and stopping. And I was always really into it. It just never kind of took off for me um, until Mamre Alpha. So what, if you were, if you were playing a different, another game, like a second game, what would it be? Oh gosh. What's, what's, what, what, what piques your fancy these days? Anything in particular? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, there's all sorts of shit out there. I like, fantasy worlds like Star Trek where it's not too grimdark. So, I mean, I know that's not really your guys' deal. Um, but But I like to have a a fun, relaxing fantasy experience rather than something where I just, from jump, my life is horrible and I've lived in this post-apocalyptic world where the zombies and the mutants are gonna just fucking eat me at any turn like that's not that fun for me <laughs> well you know you do good, do a good job describing it <laughs> I, I, I feel like I you're there the show. I feel like you're ready she's ready to DM one of those campaigns mm-hmm. uh, yeah maybe I it's think, the DM so. yeah I think DM would be different I'm not I'm not set in the world myself so, so Susie, what else are you working on? Uh, so I've had a Sunday game pretty much since I moved to Seattle seven years ago. Um, why, when I first moved here, I started dating a guy. Uh, he's not my husband. He's just my friend now. Uh, married a different guy. But Kyle kind of absorbed me into his friends group and he said, hey, I'd love for you to play in our game. And we've been, I mean, we've been doing, fed a couple of different campaigns in the last seven years. Um, actually not, I mean, surprisingly not many. Um, but, you know, we've been playing consistently on Sundays every seven, for the last, for the last seven years. Uh, I'm also really like hashtag blessed with my friends group in that everybody I know here in Seattle likes to, game master like everyone likes to be a gm everyone's got ideas everyone wants to write adventures everyone wants to you know take their friends through a game so i think traditionally people don't have enough gms in their friends group and we have too many gms um to the point where we like we're all developing our own little worlds and ideas and then we forget to get together to actually play them so (laughs) um Actually, we just wrangled up a, a f- about five of us, six or a, of us, um, and we've started playing on, you know, one or two Saturdays a month where we're going to rotate the DM responsibilities. So our friend Monty right now is doing the initial adventure. Um, he made a he made a PC too, but his PC is right just kind of on rails. And then I think I'll DM the next uh, the next adventure. And then my character, right, whenever you're DMing, your character will just kind of be on autopilot, not really adding a whole bunch. But um, I've been playing such weird games for the last seven years. I've been playing, like, D20 Modern, now Mamre Alpha. Uh, I've been playing Shadow, the new version of Shadowrun. Ooh, Talk Shadowrun about- 5? 
Uh, the one that came out like two or three, four years ago, I guess now. The yeah. one that has so many rules that we're never sure what the rules are. So many rules. I've been told that the guys, or the people rather, at WizKids who write it, uh, mm-hmm. Catalyst, like they don't even know the rules. <laughs> like, There's so many. We yeah. spend, we'll play for four hours and we'll spend half of it trying to figure out what the rules are. <laughs> Do you like it? Do you no, like it is really, It is really fun. Um, I think there's a certain point where you have to just give up you either need like the world's biggest cheat sheet or you just have to like be like okay well i think we remember it being this way but now we can't find it in the rules manual so let's just do what we can remember or what makes sense and that doesn't work like there's a lot of systems where you can do what just makes sense and it's actually what's right but yeah. <laughs> i don't think shadow runs one of those series <laughs> but we had fun with it anyway right um it, it was uh it was a lot of fun uh, but what I was missing is, was just that traditional Dungeons and Dragons, elves and dwarves and halflings and, you know, dragons. And so um, a bunch of us uh, just decided that it was time to just do some regular old boring D&D. So <laughs> that's what we've started doing. I, I saw that on your Facebook. Was that is that Pathfinder or is that D and D five? No, or? that's yeah, it's fifth edition. We're doing cool. fifth edition. Yeah. So and we're really getting into all of the weird errata um that they've been releasing for I mean, they just keep releasing all this um what's the official what's the official term like for all the errata in fifth edition? What? What's all <laughs> uh, is it Oh, Unearthed Arcana? Yeah, Unearthed Arcana, thank you. Yeah, sorry, I could have just asked you, but I knew Leaf I Leaf was um Leaf's been playing a race that's basically well, and I'm playing a centaur and Leaf's I can't remember what Leaf is, but our races are only Unearthed Arcana, so we've been we've been deep in the Unearthed Arcana mines. Um but yeah, it's it's fun. I I really I really like D and D, so <laughs> I really like nerd shit. Like I really like magic and fairies and dwarves. So that's so feminine of both of us. Like, <laughs> how so? We, we like the soft, fun stuff. We like stuff. the soft, fun ones where you play like a little fairy in the wilderness, <laughs> not like a fucking zombie mutant six six foot <laughs> troll seven eight foot troll with a shotgun on a motorcycle that's the character i'm working on for the Shadowrun game i'm playing that was go. yeah that was my yeah. that was my shadow run character she was a machine oh nice great yeah, uh, yeah. street sam yep hell yeah awesome awesome now i okay i, I hate to bring it back to the shadow run i have to ask <laughs> what what was the take in your game because if you'll allow me just for a second yeah i remember coming up shadow run was one of the two first games i ever bought yeah and i uh it had this vibe to it okay where it was kind of like that pre-90s kind of like ooh, the internet's gonna like make Mm -hmm. make the world awesome because it's like tribal music's gonna take over (laughs) the elevator (laughs) yeah shit Right? right. If only right. we could just like kill some of these corp dudes real fast. Right. We could we could take some ecstasy. Anyway, and then and then somewhere along the line, and I think it's because the world has changed, but somewhere along the line, the game just became about like mercenaries yeah. who are like, 
oh, uh, do you need me to kill babies? Because that's like an extra $20,000. You know what I'm saying? So, so which one are you playing? We are, I think that our game really was much more of the original Shadowrun vibe. Um, it was still like, okay, yeah, we're going to do a lot of drugs and we're going to like fuck with these corporation states, right? And we're going to like free some scientists and... Uh, you know, we're really gonna like do a bunch of drugs and have like <laughs> cybernetic ninjas jump at us, and yeah, no, it, it, I, we were, I mean, obviously we're all mercenaries, but um, I, I, f- I, and this is all thanks to our GM Monty, but I feel like he really pulled it back to that original Shadowrun vibe. Yeah, because I played Shadowrun in the early '90s when it was popular then it uh not many times but it was like Shadowrun is the first time i ever realized that uh intersex people exist because Shadowrun had they're like hey do you want to be i mean they called it a hermaphrodite back then but they're like do you want to be a hermaphrodite and that was just like an option in the book and i'm like what the fuck is a hermaphrodite and uh and heather who is loxus and i played Shadowrun together a few times and we we're like this is fucking cool as shit like it was a lot of like really interesting ideas that you know we hadn't in small town minnesota we hadn't been exposed to so yeah, I have a lot of fond fond memories for it, and I think I'll always perceive it through that lens. And if it were played any other way, like you know, mercenaries killing babies, I wouldn't know what to do. I probably wouldn't enjoy it. So, well, I have you know, okay. I I what your response gives me strong hope that Shadowrun can be kind of realigned because I've been talking to a lot of Shadowrun players lately, and this we don't really understand this new game this kind of like libertarian free market assassin game that has come out right okay and i think everybody sort of wishes that the old game would kind of come back right and so i mean i hope that it does i hope that it does because i mean that was a great game that was such right. a great game you know um all right so to wrap it up uh who wants to tell the listeners how they can interact with you what, where can you be found, and uh, what can people look forward to? Okay, I guess I'll do it. You go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find us on MammaryAlpha.com. Um, that's where all episodes are. We're also on, obviously, iTunes and via iTunes everywhere. Um, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as Mammary Alpha. Um, so that's where you can find us. Yeah, we're on Google Podcasts, too, so if you like Google Podcasts, we're there, too. Um, yeah. You got that Patreon. Yep. One. going to have rewards eminently. Yeah. Like, We've been and, forced um, to think of some rewards, so get ready for those. <laughs> and you got those great shirts on Redbubble. We so do. So there's a lot of ways to support the show. Yes. Which is awesome. All right. Excellent. Well, thank you both for taking the time out of your evening to come on. I, I, I know it was kind of tortured, like, trying to schedule this. That's my bad. Um, I really appreciate both of you. Uh, thank you both, and have a great night. Yeah, no, thank you for having us. Thanks, it's always Mama. fun to talk to people about Memory Alpha and just connect with people in the, the, the larger community. So thank you so much. <laughs>